your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, Limerick is the first local area in the country to develop a women's caucus with the purpose of encouraging more women into politics. This dates back to pre-COVID times originally when the Limerick Women's Network first proposed the idea and meetings were held as far back as December 2019. But yesterday, the caucus was formally launched at City Hall and uh, we'll hear uh, from that launch uh, a little. Uh, But we have uh, three uh, women councillors with us now to talk talk about this and uh, including on the line councillor Bridie Collins of Fianna Fáil and councillor Elena Sekas of Labour and in the studio councillor Sarah Kiley of Fine Gael and you're all very welcome to the programme. Um, so Sarah I mean let me ask you directly are, are you happy that you got involved in representative politics? Uh, good morning, Joe. Um, that's a very direct question. There are some days when you kind of look at politics and you cringe <laughs> and it is quite difficult. But for the most part, yes, I am. I am. You can achieve a lot. You can um, really produce a lot of positive outcomes for your community. And I think that is uh, the nub of it really when it comes to representation at local level because councillors are the closest to the electorate mm. so they are they have their finger on the pulse when it comes to democracy we're the first to really make an impact I think Councillor Bridie Collins good morning to you um, there are 40 members on Limerick City and County Council how many of them are women right now? There are nine women on the uh, Limerick City and County Council at the minute um, so there's, we're considering that fifty percent of the population is female. We would have very low representation. So, you know, if there's fifty percent women in the electorate, then fifty percent of the women should be the the local representatives. But um, obviously, that isn't the case. We have nine women, and in fact, seven of those women are based in the city, and there's only two, myself and Bridget Tiffy, who are based in the county. So, Bridget would be the sole female representative in the Kamalak area, and I'm the sole representative west of Limerick City because there are none there are no female representatives in the Newcastle West area. I'm the only representative in the Adair Roskeel area. So we're kind of underrepresented and that's what we're trying to, you know, highlight and trying to see if we can change that. Obviously in the last election, the last local elections, more than nine female uh, candidates stood for election, but only eight got elected and one was co opted after Brian Ledden got elected into the Dáil. Um uh, one was, was co-opted. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because there have been significant <laughs> efforts by political parties and some of it mandated legally to have more female candidates standing. That's correct, and that's and it's, and, and it's right, and we're going to have to continue in that vein until this, you know, until there is more female representation and that becomes the norm. You know, I mean, it's also about it's about educating the electorate as well to trust that women can do the job just as well as men. We are doing the job just as well as our male counterparts. And, you know, that is a testament to what we what we do at local level. If you look at local, you know, local communities, the majority of, say, Teddy Towns groups or other community groups are run by, and, you know, the, whole, the office holders are generally females. And so they are leaders within their own communities. They just don't, 
they don't seem to take that next step. So I think, you know, until this becomes the norm, until we do have a 50% representation within government or within local government, then we've we've got to continue that fight. And, you know, if you can't, if you don't see it, you can't be it. So, like, I'm hoping that, you know, it is a big decision for me to go to, to stand for local politics. I'm glad I did. I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that I, I got elected. But I'd also like to see my daughter or my nieces or, you know, grandchildren, may they come, you know, take that step also, because I think it's really important that women have that voice. And, you know, we're trying to, it's not that I feel like I'm a, a pioneer or something like that. No, I just had the confidence to go and stand. And I think that other women should do that as well. Mm. Councillor Elena Sekas, I mean, what are your reflections on this when you consider it's nine out of 40, you know, less than what, 25% on the current council are women? Uh, good morning, Joe. Um, yeah, so as you can see, um, if you look at the percentage, it's only 22.5% um, women representation on the council. And if you look at the 2019 local election, of the 92 candidates, uh, just 20 were women, uh, which is again in percentage 21.7% of the total number of candidates on the ballot papers. And as uh, Bridie said there, Newcastle West Municipal District uh, was the only area without any female candidates whatsoever. So I think... And I mean, um, when you consider genuinely, you know, the number of highly capable uh, women in that municipal district involved in all sorts of different activities, it does seem extraordinary, doesn't it? It does. And I think that's why this caucus is needed. Uh, We need to promote, um, you know... um, to, to get more women involved in politics, to get more women in, involved in leadership roles, we need to close the gender gap. Um, because, um, as, as Bridget said, if you look at the statistics, 50% of the population are women. So uh, it is quite important to have women's perspectives represented, both at local and national level, uh, and to have the right balance there. Now, I would remember, and often it was private Sarah Kiley, you know, female politicians would have complained to me maybe 20, 25 years ago that the kind of reactions they were getting were, Arsh, you're a good girl, and all this from other politicians. Has that stopped? Uh, For the most part, it has, but you always get a little bit of that in any walk of life. I think it's just a legacy issue from uh, a past societal issue. It's not intended to be disrespectful, Sometimes it comes across disrespectfully, but for the most part, it is starting to wane. So that's a, a positive um, a, a, a positive outcome. It is still quite difficult for females in politics because you're still trying to break the norms. You're still walking into a room full of men, which sometimes can be quite intimidating. Um, I think the very first time we came together was June 2019 and that was facilitated, as you said, in the outset by the Limerick Women's Network that are now known as the Women's Collective Ireland. Evie Murphy and Edel Garrity were were superb to, to have that insight, to bring us together, to recognise that we needed this and subsequently supported us through COVID and to get us to a point where we were ready to put down a motion. So we have an awful lot to, to, to be proud of, but we also have a huge amount of work ahead of us. 
Right, we're chatting to uh, Councillor Sarah Kylie, Elena Sekas and Bridie Collins. And at the launch yesterday, well-known Limerick historian and author Sharon Slater was there. And she was able to illustrate how Limerick women have a strong history of playing a role in politics. We've seen throughout history how women have engaged with politics, um, but it's been always a slow burner. Uh, having a caucus, having something like this where women can get together and find out how to increase the number of women on the council um, will help everybody in the community because we do know that the main people who run community groups, the main people who are involved in the community are women it's it, percentage-wise, and they have an ear to the ground and they have a, a sense of how to change things for the better. Historically, give us a little bit of background about Limerick as a leader in terms of women's politics. Yeah, um, as soon as uh, women were allowed to vote and allowed to be uh, as representing uh, the community on the council, they were. We had Emily Crow in um, 1920, who was the first sitting councillor. Um, uh, she was joined very quickly by Marie O'Donovan um, in 1921, and Marie O'Donovan um, was deputised as mayor uh, later that same year, over a hundred years ago. And I believe she was the first deputy mayor, female deputy mayor, in the country. So Limerick has been at a four for um well for uh, politics limerick city that is limerick county still lags behind you know sadly we still have not had a female representative in the doll from limerick county ever throughout the history of the country why would you think that is um i think it, a lot it might be down to people putting themselves forward and not seeing it to be it um so we do have one or two uh, councillors in the county the female councillors in the county, but not enough. Well-known female Limerick historian, as it happens, Sharon Slater, and uh, Bridget Teefy uh, is a, a councillor, and she is one of the few women who has held the post of Cahirloch of the council. And she also wants to see more women in County Limerick putting themselves forward. As you know, our numbers are small, particularly in the county, we're very low numbers and I'd encourage more women. And I suppose it's a bit of camaraderie and it's just nice to have it. And it was a lovely occasion this morning and it's nice to see the women recognised and hopefully by doing that, that we'll encourage more women to put their name forward for election. I suppose uh, over the years it has evolved. Uh, we haven't had that many women going forward and I suppose is to encourage women both nationally and locally. It can be difficult uh, for people, you know, it's time consuming, it's everything. But I think there's a general change, even in the private sector, there are far more women now moving up the ladder, which wasn't there, and hopefully that will happen in politics. It's about a, a balance. You know, it's having a balance because half the population are women, so therefore uh, they should have the input locally and you can influence policy and influence for change for the better and see it from your point of from the women's point of view. Women are coming forward more from community groups. You need to be involved in uh, communities or involved, have some mission or reason why you want to go and what you want to get change in your community and uh, it is, I suppose, maybe changing a little bit now and we are encouraging women to come forward and when they see other women moving on. So hopefully for the next, either local or general, uh, that there will be more women candidates.
That's Councillor Bridget Teefee uh, there and uh, in the studio we have uh, Councillor Sarah Kylian on the line, Councillors Elena Sekas and Bridie Collins. And uh, Councillor Collins, for example, the council chamber, the hours of work, are they more, and I suppose say women friendly, but I suppose I should say family friendly these days? Well, they, they, my, luckily for me, my family are all in their early 20s, so I don't have that... Um, I don't have to be running to this, do the school run. But like some days the meetings might start at 9 or 9.30 in the morning, which is right bang in the middle of the school drop-off time. So, you know, I suppose the different districts try and, uh, accom- they try and accommodate their own councillors. I know our meetings back in the adair Rothkeel area, they start at 9.30 in the morning. Um, it, it suits me fine. You know, it's fine. I can get up early, do whatever work I need to do for the business before I head off to the meetings and I can complete that work when I come back from the meetings. But sometimes the meetings are in the afternoon, like our, our um, full council meetings start at 3pm and, you know, they might go on till maybe 7 o'clock. You know, that I think our last uh, full council meeting ended at around 7pm, which again is, you know, you're right in the middle of that school run. So it isn't convenient for mothers or fathers with young children, school-going children, even secondary school-going children, it's quite a difficult time. But that, I, you know, I can see that the districts try and, you know, maybe change the times to accommodate everybody. But look, you know, for me, I knew what, I actually, I didn't know what the role was going to involve. I came into it completely green. That's another um, thing that I have. There was very little training about the role. I have to say that the council have been extremely good and my own political party have been extremely good at providing that training. And I think that this caucus, you know, that we have been provided with a lot of training and I think that's been very, very valuable for us. But yeah. it is, it does eat into family time. I, there is no two ways about it. And if you're running a business, it also eats right. into that time. It is quite a commitment. I'm glad I'm doing it. I'm very happy to be doing it. It's something I really enjoy. I'm sorry I didn't go sooner. I'm sorry I didn't put myself forward before now, but I'm happy to be here and I'm enjoying the role. It's, um, it's a le- every day is a learning day, right. though. Uh, uh, Councillor Sekas, I mean, I, I remember myself over the years covering um, council meetings, and should they be on at the most bizarre hours? You know, go on for absolutely ever, and then, then if there was a contentious issue, or the budgets would take five days, and mayoral elections would take six days, and it was just at one point it was madness. I mean, has it improved? Well, um, it is quite difficult, Joe, having the meetings in the mornings, in the afternoons, you know, for, for, um, to, in order to balance the, the family life and the work if you have a full-time job and the council uh, work as well, it could be quite, quite difficult. And I think if we had the meetings in the evening, that would be very helpful. Now, I have to say that the situation has improved a little bit since COVID, you know, with the blended meetings. Uh, I definitely find it easier because, um, uh, you know, sometimes it, it could take you um, half an hour or 40 minutes to get to the City Hall in the morning, um, and I would say from the county, it takes longer than that. Uh, so having the blended meetings uh, is is very helpful. But I still believe that the meetings should be held um, in the evening time, um, especially to accommodate people who uh, work full full time and you know who have young children as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for example, if we get a directly elected mayor, councillor Kylie, you know, what are the prospects of that person? being a woman, when are we going to see our first female Taoiseach? 
That's a, a very pertinent question, Joe. I think we're probably a little bit off um, having the directly elected mayor uh, election, if I'm honest. I've heard rumblings in the background that it may not happen this side of the local elections. That's um, Yes. So I'm not happy about that. I think the quicker we have a directly elected mayor, the better. Uh, if that is a man or a woman, we have to accept the judgment of the electorate. I don't think that's um, ours, our call, but I do think that I would really love to see a female in that role. But what is more politicians call is who is Taoiseach, isn't it? Because Absolutely. obviously they get elected and then they decide ultimately through doll vote who that's the Taoiseach it. is. So yeah. Why so, not a woman? The, oh, absolutely. The next general election will tell a tale. Obviously, we see one of the major political parties with a female uh, leader. So that's always a possibility. There are also other female, uh, excellent female politicians in other parties who may take over as party leaders. So it's always a possibility and hopefully within the next few years. But I think there's a stark difference between the work of a councillor and the work of a TD or a senator. And people need to realise that because demands on time, as you outlined in the, the, the last section, councillors are paid at a, a hugely different level than TDs and senators. We're on about 27,000 a year. TDs and senators are on near 100,000 a year. And the general public, I believe, are not aware of that. And as such, then the demands on our time are huge, to be honest, because we're all put in the same category. It's like comparing what was the Vauxhall Conference in soccer years ago with the Premier League. Um, not that the work is any no, different. You still have to go out. of English football. I'm, <laughs> that's really good. Well, I think um, we all have to go on and give our 90 minutes, but we're all paid differently. All right. Listen, thank you very much for coming into the studio. That's Councillor Sarah Kiley there. Thank you on the line to Councillors Elena Sekas and Bridie Collins. We heard from other contributors and, and there were some others too that Nigel Dugdale spoke to, which we will get to maybe later in this show or over the next few days. But this is a subject that 100% we will be returning to. Your